0: this morning. Uh, We are continuing our our very short series, uh, which we started last week and continue this week, talking about giving and generosity. So if you're here for the first time, I'm sure you're pumped to hear a preacher talk about giving. Uh, you're like, I really hope he talks about that uh, today. So yes, uh, we're, we're, we're doing that. And I, if we had just, just one line to share about this that I hope you remember uh, from this series. that I believe that it's something that God would want for you and not from you, that you enjoy being around generous people. You enjoy people who aren't so tight-fisted. So what would it look like for you uh, to have a generous spirit, a generous heart, to understand that likely you do have something to give, and I hope that you believe in the church and what we are doing here, and I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about that a little bit later um, in this sermon this morning, but I hope you really genuinely believe in what it is that we are, are doing here. Also, I'm getting a reminder that kids are dismissed uh, to go to Bible Adventures in the nursery, or they could hear a sermon about giving if they want to, um, but uh, we, this is an important thing uh, to, to talk about and consider, uh, because we need to think about how we can be generous people. We believe, the, the simple truth about God, that God so loved the world that he gave his son that we serve a generous, loving God, and in response to that love, we should consider how we could be generous, loving people as well. Another thing I hope that you walk away from in this series that you recognize is that it's likely, if you are sitting in this room with us this morning, that you are wealthy. Not just a little bit wealthy, but likely exceedingly wealthy. The stat that I showed last week, and I hope you remember this, uh, go ahead and go to that slide for me, Simon. But if you have an income of $32,400 per year, you would, you're in the top 1% of the earners around the world. So tell somebody next to you, congratulations, you're rich. Not everybody might be ma- making that, but um, you're at least maybe somewhere in, in that category, or you're in school to hopefully make that much someday. So seriously, congratulations, you're rich. And a lot of the world would look at you and what you make and think, you guys don't have to keep telling each other you're rich. We can, we can stop there. Um, most people would, would look at you and what you make and think, wow, he is or she is filthy rich. The way that you look at like celebrities and look at those Instagram people, like those kinds of people that you would say, oh, well, I can never afford. A lot of the world would look at you and say, wow, how do you even spend that much money? And I know that we all have bills to pay. We all have responsibilities. There's things that we're all like working on. But the question that I think Jesus would ask us to to deeply consider is how are we using what we have to bless the world? And so a way that Jesus frames this that I think is somewhat surprising, in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and God and money. And he actually uses a, a word to describe a God at that time. Mammon is basically uh, the actual like word that's there uh, in the Greek. But it's this, this force or control that is in the world that still is definitely in the world. And I have to tell you that as you see that passage, I know for me, I think if I was the one who was teaching this, I would have some other things to fill in. Like you can't serve both God and like your lustful desires. Or you can't serve both God and Satan. Those would be the ways that I think I would categorize this. But Jesus says to people who honestly are probably way poorer than you are. Again, this is a group of people that likely, as he is teaching this, these are people who didn't know necessarily where their next meal was coming from. And so they're the ones who are on the poor side of the equation, likely. They were heavily taxed by the Roman government. And he says to them, you can't serve both God and money. I think Jesus is trying to get us to think about the fact that yes, Money is a blessing. It is. And it can solve short-term problems. You have an issue, and you can pay for it. It solves that problem. And it easily lulls us into this mindset, especially wealthy people, of thinking, this is how my problems are ultimately solved. You know, for... Eighty years or however long it is that you live, when a problem comes up, this is how I solve it. 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 And eventually, I think that does something to our heart. And we have to ask the hard question of, how do I, in a world and in a place where my credit card solves all my problems, at least for a short term, until the bill comes? but in a world where we can just like keep solving our problems this way, how do we actively put our trust in God? In some way where it actually matters. And it's important to recognize that you likely, especially in, in the grand scheme, you likely are wealthy, and you likely have a lot. There's someone who book that I was reading on this topic and he was describing how he had traveled all over the world and he said that in the United States we think a lot about like retirement and insurance and some of those things which are important and prudent for us uh, to think about but he said as he traveled around the world you know what like the insurance policy is for a lot of the world? Family and friends. Like you know when you get old or you have a catastrophe or something happens you know who's going to take care of you? Your community. The people who you actually invest in, the people who you spend time with. In this book, he actually said that we are one of the first nations in human history. Ironically, though, we're one of the richest na- nations. You could argue either us or some others, but we are arguably the richest nation in human history. And for the first time in human history, we are saying, I can't have another kid because it would cost too much. That's how we think of it. The rest of the world would say, let's have as many kids as possible. So maybe they only take, like, I'm probably going to have one lazy one out of five. So, like, four of them have to take care of 25% of me. So that's that like a complete, one of the first times in human history we're looking at children thinking about how much they're going to cost. This is a really weird way to think about it, isn't it? That shows that oftentimes as... The rapper would say more money, more problems, that oftentimes when we think about our stuff, we can think about it from a perspective of like, well, you know, how much is this going to cost me or what is this going uh, to be like? And I would ask for you, especially as the holidays are coming up, as you think about the things that you have, oftentimes you just need to recognize like I'm having a first world problem right now. Like, I'm not actually, like, really complaining about something that is legitimate for me to complain about. As I think about my brothers and sisters uh, who are around the world, if you're uh, complaining sometime about limited vacation time, well, that's a first-world problem. Sorry, I wish you had more, too, but it's a first-world problem. When your computer crashes, uh, that's, that's a first-world problem. Bad cell phone coverage, that's a, a first-world problem. Before we sometimes can easily say things about whatever it is that we're struggling with, we need to sometimes ask ourselves, is this complaint real? Or is this based on some of the stuff that I have that maybe I should be more thankful for? Especially as the holiday season comes up, as things get busier. Maybe you should run your problem through the lenses of should I really complain about this? And Jesus, I think, would say you need to have an eternal view. Because you can't serve both God money. So how are you with the wealth that you have? Some of you, it's very much. Some of you, you're just struggling to get by, and I understand that. But how are you with the wealth you have contributing to something that has eternal value? Things that are positively changing the world. Things that are finding ways to be a blessing in the world. Jesus tells a story about this, and one of the reasons why I am comfortable talking about that issue, this issue, though it's been several years since I've talked about it, is because Jesus talks about it all the time. Some scholars will say that he talks about money second most to the kingdom of God. So if you want to avoid talking about money, you're going to have to, like, cross off a lot of Jesus' teachings, because Jesus is honestly talking about this all the time. So a parable that he tells in Luke chapter 12 uh, is this. He told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yield an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Hashtag rich person problem. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So again, this is a hashtag rich person problem. He says, all right, I have this abundant harvest. Now what am I going to do with all this extra food? And remember how we're introduced to this guy from the very beginning. What does it descri- What does it say about him? That like he's what kind of man? A rich man. So he already is a rich man. And then he gets a lot more. And so the thought is, okay, probably the barns that he already has already, like, this contribute to him being defined as a rich man, right? So the barns that he already has, it's enough for him to be described as a rich man. Suddenly he gets this, like, huge gets an abundant flow, the harvest is big, and his impulse isn't, well, how can I use what I have now, this is an unbelievable blessing, wow, this is so great, and we don't see that he has any sort of impulse to say, well, how can I give some of this away? Somebody who is already described as a rich person gets a huge bonus, and we have no way of knowing, well, does he ever have an ability to give any of it away? And actually saving and being prudent, I think, is is talked about in the old testament and I think the understanding of, of being generous and how we give, but then also having a plan for saving is, is important. In the New Testament, it talks about don't be a burden on people. I think the example that Bianca gave us last week was great that as you think about the money that you gave, that you get think about giving some of it and think about saving some of it. I think saving is, is prudent and actually taught in Scripture. And so when you hear this, and the people who would have heard this for the first time as Jesus is sharing this parable, they would have used words to describe this guy as like smart. That's a really smart plan. You know, saving for a rainy day. And we would use some of the same words to describe him. He's a rich man with pretty big barns, and now he's going to have even more. He would have said, oh, that's, that's good. That's wise. Jesus doesn't let us think that about him. He continues, you fool, God will say to him one day, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? So Basically, Jesus says, you just don't know when your life's going to end. You don't know when it's going to be over. And at that moment, who will get what you've prepared? And we find an answer, actually, in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the Old Testament book, where King Solomon basically parties like a rock star, is how you would describe the book of Ecclesiastes. And he has unbelievable wealth, so he tries basically everything that we could possibly imagine, a life with uh, tons, tons of, of women around, tries a whole bunch of different kinds of work, and then describes a relationship with money. And he says, you know, I even tried money, and I tried to having like all of this, and I have this unbelievable wealth. I'm a really, really important, like, dominant, very, very crucial person, and I have all of this wealth, and Solomon basically has this reflection, and who's going to get all this wealth? My dumb kids. That's basically how he describes it. Go look at the book of Ecclesiastes. like, no, I've amassed all of this stuff, and now my kids are going to get it. And we know kids who struggle with this. I actually saw an article this week, I thought this lined up perfectly um, with an interview with Ashton Kutcher, which you don't really expect to be like a book of wisdom, perhaps. Uh, I was like, wow, that's, that's weird. Uh, but Ashton Kutcher was on a podcast, and he was describing how he and his wife, Myla Kunis, are raising their kids. And uh, he, he said this about um, his kids. My kids are living a really privileged life, and they don't even know it. And they'll never know it because this is the only one that they'll know. I'm not setting up a trust for them. We'll end up giving our money away to charity and to various things. So Ashton Kutcher is, like, not going to pass on any wealth to, to his kids, which is, like, a little bit uh, surprising. But actually, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett have said the same thing, that, you know, they have blessed their kids with an unbelievable wealthy childhood. And now they want to try to use it because they think, and we know, we have the, the phrase to describe trust fund kids, right, who are a little bit, off the rails, perhaps. If you are one, uh, congratulations. Sorry if that hurts your, your feelings, but, um, but as we think about where are our, all our excess, excess goes, it can be to our kids, and you know kids who've been raised with a very, very high standard of wealth, and they don't really have a good connection to life. They don't really have a way to, to contribute uh, to work. So Jesus would just ask that question, where is this going to go? What is all this going for? Because you just don't know when it's going to end. And he continues. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. That at the end of your life, you believe that we will encounter God And again, as people who likely find themselves at the very wealthy end of the spectrum, I think we'll have to answer what we did with that. Jesus' encouragement is to be very rich in the things that God would invite us to participate in. And this is at a time when gods were worshipped very differently. It's a time when gods and goddesses like Zeus were around, and so to keep Zeus happy, you would go to the temple and you would make all these sacrifices and do all these dramatic things and like use some of the stuff to live sacrificially so that you could worship Zeus. And it would be like burned as this offering and and if you did it the right way then Zeus would be happy with you and everything would be good. But I love how Jesus moves that in a different direction. He said it's not just about pleasing God and giving this aroma to God that is is healthy and, and good for you. Instead, think about not just doing this dramatic sacrifice to Zeus, but how are you rich in how you use money for other people? How are you blessing those who are around you? So yeah, rich man, you get this abundant crop and you just decide to build a bigger barn. And a lot of that food Probably not even going to be used. It always haunts me. One of the best ad campaigns I feel like I've ever seen is about food waste in uh, the United States, and it's it's a uh, it has it has like eggs or milk, and it just says on the the campaign slogan "best if used." And I just, that haunts me as I think about how how we buy food, how we can end up you know you buy something thinking oh we're gonna. Eat this eventually, and a week or two later, something smelling in your fridge. <laughs> it's so easy for us to think when we are blessed. Well, how can I just build up a bigger barn? How can I like make myself, you know, feel safe? And what is that number for you that make you feel? what Jesus is trying to communicate to you is that's an illusion. Because we should seek relationship. And we need to recognize how blessed we are. And this is not to make you feel guilty, but I hope it makes you feel responsible. You likely are someone who is very, very wealthy. Congratulations, that's awesome. But how could you view what you have as a gift, and a blessing, how could you recognize that, yeah, when you get that paycheck, when you receive that, that you would think about how you can give some of it away? Because we've all been blessed at times when someone has thought of us like that. There's a time when I was in uh, grad school, and I was in school in Texas, and a, a really hard time for me, found out that my parents were getting a divorce, and it was unexpected, and just a hard, difficult season and Thanksgiving was actually uh, coming up and I had told this to to a few of my friends and uh, my friend reached out to me and he said, you know what, Brian, I just got a bonus at work. And I always try to think when I get a bonus, how can I use this to bless somebody and your situation came to mind. I want you to buy a plane ticket home so you can come have Thanksgiving with your mom. And I'm so thankful you did that. And there's moments, I think, for all of us to try and think, all right, I have more than I need. How could I use this as a blessing to people who are around me? And you've experienced that, like the profound significance of someone just kind of stepping out of everything that they're doing and things that are on their own and just saying, hey, you know, let me pay for that for you. You've experienced that. And it's through generosity that lives are changed. It's through people who don't say, I just want to use this all for myself, and I just want to build a bigger barn. Ultimately, we can end up putting our hope in riches. When Jesus would challenge us and say, you can't serve both God and money. Again, just read the teachings of Jesus. He's constantly talking about this. Elise mentioned the passage where Jesus says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where is it that your treasure is? Could we as a, as a church community think about how we could get hold of this more? How we could allow God to work on our hearts, to be more generous, so that we can do more and more to reach our community, to be a part of spreading the name of Jesus in our world. And I mentioned this last week, but I want to uh, continue to, to mention it because I'm so passionate about. It, as a church, if you go back in time uh, 15 years, uh, this was before I was even here. Um, this was some of the ministries that our church was involved in, isn't in all of the things that we were involved in? If you go to the, I think two slides, so. Fifteen years ago, we had a full-time minister, a part-time secretary, and we gave about $3,000 a year in missions. And currently, 15 years later, we have a full-time preaching minister, a full-time associate minister, a part-time worship minister. We give $40,000 a year uh, to missions. I was describing this to a friend of mine, and he said, wait, what, your church gives that much away? And I was like, yeah, we do, because we're very generous. We do meals at the Ascensia Shelter monthly, Family Promise four times a year, Be the Church Sunday twice per year. And there's way more than just this. There are things just a few months ago, Claire Roche asked us to collect um, items for foster children, and we did that together, and we donated a ton of items to the foster care system. Just us coming together and participating like spurs us on to think about how we can be better in, in doing good things. I'm so thankful that this is the trajectory of the church. And one of our goals in the next three years is to not give $40,000 a year away, but to double that, to give $80,000 away. And I just have to say, that depends on all of us being generous. It depends on all of us participating in the ways that God has called us to participate. So, this is the direction of this church. This is where that we are are headed. This is where we already have come, and the direction that we want to continue to be. We try to ask ourselves the question all the time: can we be a church that if we weren't here, the community would miss us if we were gone? And there are ways that we're constantly trying uh, to do that, to think about how we can participate more in what God is doing here and to think about how we could show the generous love of God to our world. And so as this year comes to a close, and then as we are starting uh, in in twenty twenty, which is a great year because twenty twenty vision always is a good good thing to to use. Uh, we are asking you to consider how you could participate uh, in in what our church is doing. So we have some some pledge cards that are pledge cards that are on the table in the back, and our goal uh, is that we would. Uh, have a collection of $4,500 uh, per week. And that's a goal that will take us all uh, being generous and being part of what God um, is doing here. And so I would ask you to take two of those cards, take one home with you and like have a conversation um, with, with a spouse or maybe uh, just if you're single, just talk with a friend. Think about how you can participate in what we're doing here. And then we're hoping that you can turn those cards in by December 8th and just let us know how you could participate um, in this offering, how you could be part of This will help us in a couple ways. First, uh, it'll just help us in, in forecasting and thinking about, okay, what are we looking like? How does this look uh, in, in the next year? Um, secondly, I would say we're not going to demand this from you. If you turn this in and unfortunately something happens, things happen at work or whatever, we're not going to come knocking in June at your door at 2 a.m. or something. Like, we're not going to storm your house and say, remember what commitment you made. We're not not... Um, going to do that, so, so don't worry. But this just is helpful. I think for us all to have conversations at home, and I'm including myself in this, that we would have conversations and say, how, how could I be generous? Yeah, we're really not going to do that. Don't worry, Maya. Um, we, how, how, could, how could I participate in this? How could I be uh, generous to continue to help in what God is doing in and through this community? Because we want to have a way longer list than I just showed you of the ways that God is working through us in our church. And I know for me, like, I, it's helpful for me to, like, actually have that broken down. So what this would mean for, like, our active members, our regular members of our church is $175 per month per member. And for some of you, that's, that's way too much, and that's totally understandable. All grace to you. We're so happy that you're here. We're never going to turn into a place with, like, membership dues or something. So don't ever think that, that, that that's the case. But for some of us, maybe we could say, yeah, I could, I could do that. For some of us, we're called to give more and say, yeah, I know that some of my brothers and sisters can't do that. So I'm going to give a little bit more than that. But I hope that you'll prayerfully and seriously consider how you could be involved in what our church is doing financially. That you'll take those cards home, that you'll pray about them, that you'll bring them back uh, by December 8th and give it to Eric, who is helping out with our finances, so that we could understand kind of where we're going as a church and how we could forecast for this next year we've decided that the term building uh, is is a good term for us we've spent a lot of time and and money on our like outside external building in this last year we're thankful for the the new paint job the new signs these new very comfortable chairs which you are enjoying our old pews you was kind of russian roulette sometimes you'd sit in one and it would half break and that was uh, not great for new members of our church because they would come in and be like, oh, uh, that's really awkward. I never want to come back here. So um, we, we thought that in this last year, building as a noun is kind of an interesting way to think about what we've done. And now building is a verb, that we all are participating in what God is doing. And we are all part of what, hopefully, God is building in all of us in this next year. And I just have to say that we are... are Try to be as, as transparent as possible. If you want information on our budget or what that process is, please let me know. But just understand that your dollars make a difference here. And participating in this community, it makes a difference. And just this last week, we hosted for Family Promise. And we got to host four different families, all single moms. And this group was just so fun. They had kids, a lot of kids, there's junior high and high school kids. And so I got to school them at basketball one night. And I know Cameron played some Nintendo Switch with them one night. And when I was here, it was, it was so fun, they uh, decided to have a huge dance party. And I was thinking about how great that is, that because our church continue to be a place that we want to try to be open for people, a place that people feel welcome, that we provided space for these kids who maybe would have been sleeping in a car if not for this program. I think about all the people who volunteer at Ascensia in a given year, all those who give their time, and almost every time we do Ascensia, I do it about 10 times a year just because I really like it, it's something that I look forward to every month. There's so many of us, like, volunteering in the back that I just get to sit and talk with the men and women who are actually at the Essentia Shelter and to hear their stories about how, you know, just something went wrong. They're trying to get back on their feet. Many of us are in that same position. That's just one thing away from being in a situation like that. And through that program and our participation in it, We get to do awesome things for God's kingdom. Think about how our slogan over the last year has been a home in L.A. And we get the opportunity because of our ministry staff to create a space on Sunday morning that is welcoming because of who we have as staff members and as volunteers. We're continuing to try and create more of a space where people truly feel at home when they come here. A place like L.A. that I would argue is very lonely, increasingly that way. We provide space for conversations and friendships and our fellowship activities. I think of our work through Chris and Crystal, who are home until February and then you're going to be going back to Kenya to do more work. Chris and Crystal launched as missionaries, partly because We had had a a special collection here, and we got more than we had expected. And so we sent them for their first year with $30,000 for their work. And then after that, they said, we actually want to keep doing this. So can you continue to support us in that way? And our missions budget at that time was $3,000 a year, so that was a bit of a jump. (laughs) We all have been so generous again and again. So I'm thankful for the things that we are doing, that we are participating in. And again, I don't really talk about this very often, but one of the books that I was reading says, if you believe in it, you can talk about it forever. And I truly believe in what we're doing here. And that what you're given to really does make a significant difference in God's kingdom. So I ask you to just prayerfully consider how you could be a part of what we're doing here. And the giving series ends today, so no more giving after this, so you can breathe a sigh. We're going to get into some really great stuff uh, going into the holiday season. But I hope that you'll prayerfully consider how you can be participating, because I truly believe that generosity changes us from the inside out. And there's a force that Jesus would want us to think about, that you can't serve both God and money. Again, money solves short-term problem after short-term problem after short-term problem, even for your entire life. You know, for 80 years, it can solve your problems. There's going to be a day when it no longer will. Are you participating in things that you believe in? Are you giving the causes, hopefully, to our church in a place that you believe in that is making an eternal difference? Because one day, it's not going to matter. Are you living in that way now? Store up for yourselves. Treasure in heaven. So when you get that bonus, perhaps, when you suddenly have this, this huge crop, don't just think about how you can build a bigger barn. Think about how, hey, wait, I was already a rich person, and now I got this. How can I give it away? Let's pray together. Father, may we truly consider how we can be generous. Father, generosity, I believe, changes us from the inside out. As I think about some of the best people that I know, they're also some of the most generous people that I know. Please be with us as we consider how we can be involved. We as a church want to continue to do good things in the name of Jesus in our community and around the world. And may we all consider how we can be involved in that. Father, we likely, if we're in this room, are very wealthy. May we come to realize that and give from what we've received. Transform our hearts, Father, so that we can be good news in the world. Your sons, I pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.